Welcome to Week Outlet Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Notch. I'm Caleb. And I'm Colin. This week, we bring you the cyclone that is Nottingham Forest, the drought of excitement for Minnesota United FC, and the torrential downpour of human feces that NASL has unleashed. Today is a special day here at We Call It Soccer because we've got a guest for you. It's not Jerry Tiasan again, although I wish it was. It's a far more handsome man, though. David Zeller from the Dave Zino podcast. <laughs> I am definitely not as handsome as Jerry Tiasan, so and everybody here can confirm. We, I'm not as handsome. We weren't laughing over here on the challenge at all. Nah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, nothing was being stifled. I, I have a much better beard than Jerry, but I'm not. Uh, I, this is not true. as handsome. So yeah, yeah. Um, Little, uh, little longer. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely exactly. got the volume there. <laughs> David and I were talking on Twitter after Minnesota United's latest signing, and and we decided that it would, it would be best if our argument took place here on air, which we will we will get to what oh. we were talking about precisely um, in in our first segment. Before I get there, I want to bring up another topic that I've been discussing on Twitter earlier this week that I thought would be a good way for us to open the show today. It concerns support and being a supporter, and the the this, the genesis of this argument was actually some guy tweeting something to the extent of "you can change teams that you support, and that's okay." And another guy coming in saying, "No, you can't do that. That's completely wrong." And I think both of these people were misunderstanding each other. One of them was essentially saying it's okay to support two separate teams, and the other guy was saying it's not okay to leave a team that you support to support another team in the same league. So they weren't exactly talking about the same argument. I wanted to ask you guys about how you define a supporter. And I don't mean people who like a team. Like there are people who say like, oh, I like several teams in this league. Or for example, for me, I like the Timbers. I think the Timbers have a cool like culture. They have some great history. Like I, I, I'm not like ever going to root for the Timbers, but it's like it, they're cool, you know, like they're fine. But there's only one team in this entire world that I support. The problem is when I try to define what support means, I find it's a useful tool to help me figure out who are, quote-unquote, the supporters. But I couldn't, I couldn't find a definition for myself. I, I, find, sorry. Find a definition that fits every single soccer fan. <laughs> is gonna, Good luck. We're going to be here for, for days and still not anywhere. I think it depends on the, the fan. Um, each different fan is how they define their own support. Um, I'm a Liverpool supporter, a Minnesota United supporter. I like teams in those leagues, but if they're playing Liverpool or playing Minnesota, I do not cheer for those teams or want them to do well. If it's a neutral game, I'd say I also like uh, Portland. If they're playing LA Galaxy, I'll cheer for Portland. If Newcastle is playing Man City, I'll cheer for Newcastle. Stuff like that. I would say, what does what does support mean? Like, I'm as as you know, Caleb and I are, are big Liverpool fans. Uh, we always have been, um, always will be. But I've 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 yet to see a, a Liverpool match in at Anfield in in England. So am I not am I not a true supporter of that team, or is it just that you know is is it there's this whole like. It's. It, I think it's that, and actually, an American thing where it's like you need to have been there, have done that, have supported hardcore. And I think it's. It's not even just an American thing. It's an American soccer thing, which fucking I hate. 
I well, hate those American soccer fanboys. Or like, if you weren't there at the beginning, you're not there. Because no, 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 no. And, and so I, I want to clarify. I don't mean it simply in the American way, where you say that someone has to be in a special supporter section and yell. Because that you know the 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 sixty year old guy who's been going and sitting in a plas- the same plastic seat for forty years of his life, you know, with his father, with his wife, with his son, or whatever, you know, that's that guy is a supporter, even if he's just sitting there quietly. I'm just saying what defines that kind of core loyalty. And the best definition I could reach is just that kind of diehard sense where you're not willing to to, to give up on your team. Even in phases where you dislike them, you're yeah. never going to root against them. Right. And I think it's especially just the amount of passion and energy that you're willing to put into the side. I think that's what really defines being a supporter. Like... You know, I I care quite a bit about the Republic of Ireland, but I'm I'm not I don't feel like I'm a supporter in the same way that I'm a USMNT supporter. You know, it's it's something where again, it it's almost impossible to define, but if you're going to care enough that something even small ends up being the thing that defines your day. You yeah. know, that's the sort of thing that happens when you're a supporter. And I think in some ways it's easier to define what it's not. Like, there, I have had phases where I, I thought I was supporting Arsenal or I thought I was supporting Chelsea U. But it's it's one of those situations where now looking back, I, I just, I I think I think when, you, when you're able to let go of a team, you weren't a supporter. Like, that, that's, that's, you weren't. Like, that if, if you're able to kind of let that go, it's, it's not, it's not that close to you. Which is a super great segue into uh, Minnesota United and how much um, we cannot let go of this team. Yeah. And, so, yeah. And, and how fucking infuriating this is for this team. So, so let's, let's move into our first segment of the show that we call <laughs> Loon Monitoring. In the Loon Monitoring segment, we talk about Minnesota United FC, our loons. The past three weeks, including on this podcast, have been consumed by a lack of any news and the reaction to said lack of any news. Suffice it to say, David, you are frustrated by this. I'm very frustrated. Even after this news, I'm, I'm very frustrated. So we can, we can delve into that a lot more. I understand how they want to keep everything close to the vest and take their time and be patient after last offseason's transfer debacle in the Scandinavian countries. But throw us a freaking bone here at least once in a while. Um, Why should they? To keep uh, interest in the team going and consistent. I think our last signing before this day was... Tyrone Wait, Mears in the in the draft. Why why should they? Because they care about their fucking fans. Yeah. I don't know. No, Maybe. but what what what, well, what impact does that have? Is what I'm saying to keep the fans engaged to give them hype. So here's the thing: Mr. United does not give two shits about its fans. Yeah, period. absolutely. And I I would. You, I think I'm even going. I'll say it. Go further. Go further. Go further, buddy. No, go further. I'm, I'm. I'm gonna kind of go a little more on Notch's side and say that as far as the technical staff goes, they should not give two shits about the hype train that's going on for Minnesota United. They should just care about bringing in good players, regardless of when they come. I, I think my frustration is more that they haven't brought in good players yet. They've continued to make marginal moves and yeah. all so that. Before we get, to, they're, get they're, to the players. So they're bad at doing their job. 
So before before we get there, I, I, I David, I want you to define what you mean by they don't give a shit about their fans because I actually disagree with that. And but before we get to the signings, right. that what, what do you mean? If this team legitimately cared about the fan base, that it has grown, and and per Chris Wright last night, it's twelve thousand season ticket holders, right? So there's twelve thousand people who are giving this team money every year. For a ticket to their shit-ass product, right? If they actually cared about what this... Like, they would not be waiting till 13 fucking days before the season starts to announce a signing that is not a draft pick. Like, Tyrone Mears, great. I'm happy for you. You're, it's awesome. We're excited. You're gonna be a de- you're gonna be a backup defender. Great. We still have at least thirteen spots on this roster, and probably eleven starting spots on this roster that have yet to be filled. Eleven, all of them, all of the fucking spots that have yet to be filled, and nobody. I mean, I Ramirez is great. Christian Ramirez is awesome. He's he's he should not be probably starting for. Uh, an, an actual soccer team. So oh, and 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 Ga- Caleb, that's, Caleb, that's a hot take. Uh, I'll, let, I'll I'll let you go. In, I'll let you go in a sec. I'll let you go in a sec. Um, we should have people at every single position challenging for starting spots, and that includes Christian Ramirez. And in, yeah, I, I I should actually take that back. I think Christian Ramirez is probably <laughs> prob- probably a starter in MLS right now, but. He should have someone challenging him. He doesn't have any... Abu Dhabi not challenging him. Uh, this guy I, from I, Cameroon, somebody, not challenging him. I know somebody so. in Denver who would very much disagree with you on between Abu and Christian, but I, I think from, from your standpoint, I disagree about the whole the, the kind of statement that they don't care about the fans. I think they don't care about fan reactions to things because they, they've shown that they release news when they're ready. For better or for worse, that's their media strategy. The one fault I can put on that is I can't think of a conversation that I've had in the last three or four weeks where I've been feeling like I need to go to a stranger, maybe someone who's a casual fan, say, hey, yo, my, my team did this thing. All of our conversations have been about last year when they say, what do you think about this year? I'm just like, eh, I don't know. Like, we'll see. It's going to be great. It's going to be real fun going to the games. But you know what? I, I don't know about the roster because we haven't. So I, th- I think you're losing those casual conversations and that really sucks. And it's fine. They have a shitty media strategy. Cool. I mean, they had a shitty media strategy last year, too. They've I th- continued I think, to have a shitty media strategy. I think the, your- the, the thing that frustrates me personally is when there are folks from the team and also some fans, I should say, who come out and get mad at people who are mad about this, who say, like, don't, don't buy into the negativity on Twitter and Reddit. You got to be excited. Like, you got to support the team. It's like, no, we, you know what? Like, it, it's okay to be mad. For my part, I have actually been one of those guys who's like, I'll wait till the start of preseason. Let's see what the roster is like. I... I can see the negatives of this media strategy. I can see what the things that I can't do because I don't know what's happening. But you know what? To judge what's going to happen, I'll just wait and see. I got other things going on in my life that I can spend my time and money on. Um, I don't. I don't have to like just be focused and waiting on this stuff. I don't need to be posting lots of gifs of people waiting and getting older on Twitter. Gifs. It's gifs, gifs. by the way. <laughs> Something we all can agree it's on. Gifts. You guys can all agree on. So we anyway. already had the fight about that. So, like, so I was the one that was wrong. Right. So so anyway, 
for my part, I was I was just mad that there were fans and and particularly folks affiliated with the team getting mad at other fans who were who were antsy, who wanted to see some movement because that's natural. When when you don't when you haven't done anything, when you don't give people anything to talk about, I mean, they're going to make their own narrative, and that's not a good thing when, because everything that we have to base our narrative on is in a disappointing season last year and then a disappointing season before that. Yeah, yeah. and that it's the transfers decisions last year and that didn't they didn't uh, garner any trust from the fans towards our technical directors or any of our front office at all. And with them holding bat signings or not getting signings out there, it makes us think that they don't know what they're doing. I know we had one year of this where they went too fast, too quick, and signed fucking Vanim Demidov. And now we have a year where, an offseason where they're not signing anybody. And it's like, is the result going to be the same? Even though they're taking their, their time, because are they good at scouting? Are they good at their jobs? Are they, yeah. We don't know yet because there hasn't been that bang on <sighs> top, top defender, top midfielder, top forward, top goalkeeper signing for our team. I, I've yeah. said this on the pod before. My strategy to combat what you're saying is this perception issue. It's, it's, it, it might just be a purely perception issue. Who knows? They've been working. Maybe best case scenario, they've been working behind the scenes really hard. We get a really competitive squad. It all works out. But this perception issue... I think the way to combat that would have been spend the last three months of last season. You know it's disappointing. You know the fans are going to be antsy. Spend it getting one big name signing nailed down. So in December, you organize that one person who you're just like, yo, this is a signal of intent. And we didn't do that. And that, I think, has left a gap. I don't want to be old old guy here who's you know been around the block several times. Um, whoa, whoa. We don't need to get into your sexual literally around this, yeah, yeah, Literally yeah. around this block several times. Um I've been following this team for a long fucking time, longer than all of you guys have. Which yeah, you know it's it's fine. I, oh, I, someone's a real supporter. I I'm guess. a real supporter. <laughs> you guys are terrible supporters. It, hashtag not true. Um, you guys are great supporters, and and I I love everybody who supports this fucking team. I've been around this team for a long fucking time since 2012. I mean, I followed the team in 2011. I was. Became a season ticket holder in 2012. I've been around this team for a long fucking time. And this team continues. Incessantly. To make terrible fucking decisions. And this is why. This is why I don't trust. I don't trust Amos. I don't trust Manny. I love Amos and Manny. I played soccer a couple weeks ago. With Amos and Manny. As, as a matter of fact. And I do not trust them to make a goddamn decision about how they're going to run this team. Last so, word sorry. on this, actually. Yeah. I'll give to uh, someone that we know well. UH um, Clem, uh, whose name I'm now... I, I don't want to get it wrong. Kearson? Steve Kearson? The guy with all the jerseys? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, Steve... I think it's Kearson. Think it's yeah, Kearson. okay. So, anyway, I... He actually made exactly the same argument that, about that that you did, which is that he's been around for a very long time. He's seen the team, except he went brilliant the other way. Oh, okay. He, tr- he, he trusts, trusts Manny. He trusts oh, the process. God. He's he said, hey, wait and watch. Every Philadelphia Phillies or Seven Sixers fan knows that the process is not to be trusted. Do not <laughs> trust the process. All right, ever. so. With that, so I think, Caleb, I think Caleb has something to say. I was going to say Joel, Joel Embiid would uh, disagree with you. Okay, but uh, 
So, 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 I'm, I'm just saying there's there's some difference of opinions here. I think on this podcast, we've got the entire range represented uh, from David to Caleb to then Colin and me on the other end. So, I, th- I think that's that's a spectrum that we have today on this episode. So, I'm really now curious what we think of the signing that we had today. France Pangup, who is a Cameroonian international, who plays for a Cameroonian team whose name is uh, Union Duala, if I'm not mistaken. Unfortunately, the Cameroonian league has very poor statistics. So the only stats we have available for this guy is that he scored a goal against Algeria for World Cup qualification. And then we have one year of results from the Swedish third division from when he was 18. He's currently 24. All, all I'll say is Pango from the original Minnesota United tweet. They literally fucked up the name. Well, they messed up uh, Sammy and Josh's name. When <laughs> they the did, exactly, too, yeah. So this is, this is like when we sign a Cameroonian, it's a tradition. It's a new name. tradition. So Bad. When we sign our next player, who's also going to be Cameroonian? Yeah, which, according to Chris Wright. <laughs> well, no, it's it's going to be in two weeks we'll have another Cameroonian. It's going to be Yaya Bananas. Which I, I hope really, it's Yaya Bananas. Really Before we go wildly off topic. Okay, so so bang up. What do you think? This is why you're I, here, David. It's because you disagreed I, with me. But Caleb. let's go real quick before you you go off. Um, I I don't know what to think. I don't know anything about him. His picture in the press release looked like he was from, was from the '70s. Like he was playing in that game against Pele in the Cosmos. It was just we don't know anything about him. There wasn't even like a highlight package that the team kind of like put in the press release. He's either a center forward, and I've seen a tactical midfielder, I've seen an inverted winger. He'll be on the offensive part of the pitch, I guess, and that's all I know. It's well, that, I mean, that's the problem. Is that is that so? The team lists him as a midfielder. Uh, his other team lists him as a forward, and then there's another website lists him as a fucking defender. So, I mean, unless this guy is like the greatest player ever, <laughs> what 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 the fuck? I admire signing? his versatility. <laughs> However, okay. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Ian Fuller, who scouted him in Cameroon, says that he is a left winger who can cut in deep, so he can actually Good, play anywhere need, in the attacking midfield. Because we need more fucking wingers. But, we don't need any fucking wingers. This is the team, guys. This is the team that gave up the most fucking goals in MLS history. Why are we signing wingers? Why? Because Manny Lagos. That's that's why. So <laughs> you know Manny Lagos is great, and and but so you know, this guy, Manny Lagos. this guy, this guy can. Okay, so when he played in the Swedish third division, he was listed in most of his games as a center forward, a number ten. So maybe he's he's someone that can play that oh. role. And so oh boy, hold, hold she, up, Sheep's gonna be <laughs> no Sheep loves this. Real excited, literally. For this one. All right, Sheep fin- loves sorry, the fact that there's me nothing but Yeah, finish finish your your. Uh, Expository like your ejaculate right now. <laughs> I all I wanted to say about this guy is we don't know anything about him. You know, you said that the photo might be with him and Pele. Who knows? It might actually be him playing with Pele. Like we know nothing about this guy, and for that's both for better or for worse. Though all we saw in the highlights is that the dude is really fast. There's a 13 mil highlight reel on YouTube that you can go watch. He's very there, fast. I've He's a bit raw. He's 24, and you know what? This guy might just end up being a depth signing who we can throw in when our midfield is off playing international matches or is injured or whatever. Who knows where this guy's going to fit in? All I'm saying is this as long as we sign more established players going forward, I'm happy with this. This is I mean he's he's a guy who has development p- potential. 
we're not in a great place as a team where we need depth. We also need starting quality at multiple positions. Some of them are, the, most of them are the same positions. We need starting quality and depth in those positions. It's not a great place to be in. And hopefully the signing can fill a need somewhere, but we won't know that until play starts. Again, 13 days. You know, we established this on Twitter. We've got 13 days. <laughs> yes. We we need starting depth. We need starters at 10 of our 11 positions. I'm giving you Christian Ramirez. Give, I'm giving you Ramirez. I'm giving yeah, you Ramirez. Game. Do it. Appreciate it. We need so, starters at 10 of the 11 positions that we have. Calvo is a if, starter at center back. But anyway, I don't, Calvo, I don't, is not a, Calvo is not a starter at center back. Period. He's not a starter I, I, at center back. Okay, Period. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get into a rabbit hole of discussing every player right. in the position. Okay. But I agree He's with you guys that we need more back. signings. But I'm just this guy. You know, we he's need, fine. dude. How about this? He, How about this? You, hold on, hold on. <laughs> You're a guest here, sir. Sorry. You're a guest hold here. On. Even if we admittedly agree that we have starters at four positions, right? We need starters at seven positions. And this guy who we just signed is not a starter at any of those positions. He's depth at those positions. And this team that I give a shit ton of fucking money to, and you all do too. This is a, this is a, a this is a bad move. This is a bad move. And this is it, it, for their first move. They're like first big move of hey, the, of the don't, year. Hey, don't don't forget about Harrison Heath, okay? Well, and that's that's the right. biggest not, move. Do of not get me started. I I will just I will I will just rant. I will rant for twenty five minutes, and you guys have do not have the time for that. So, all right, I'll just throw this in there. Um, Colin, Colin, go scouting <laughs> out his YouTube highlights, which again, okay, very good. very big sample size here. Um, He's fast. He has a decent first touch. He's decent on the dribble. I think his passing might be okay in like dead ball situations. He seemed to be the set piece guy, both free kicks and corners. A couple of times they were actually successful. Um, <laughs> beyond that. <laughs> I don't know if it was bad editing on the highlight reel or if it was literally they took like four games and just put every single time that he touched the ball good or bad. But um, he seems like he runs towards where defenders are clustered and he seems like his medium passing is errant, which means that he is a faster, younger Johan Venegas. I'm sorry. And he, he does have some of that good in-swinging, inverted left-winger stuff going on, but he's probably going to be the Loons' Johan Venegas for 2018. Okay, that is going to have to be the last word on this. We're going to take a quick break while we reset up our mics, and then we shall return. All right, so you can always find me at Texas Zeller. Uh, you can find my my famous podcast at TDIKMN on Twitter. Uh, for the Liverpool Man City match this weekend, we are watching at the Basement Bar in the North Loop. Uh, it's a fun little thing. Um, hit, hit me up at Texas Zeller if you need to. Uh, TDIKMN is our Twitter handle, and then I, I think it's TDIKMN. Dave, the Dave's I know, mn at gmail.com. 
right, we are back. It's just Caleb, Colin, and myself now. So let's continue on with our loon monitoring segment. First off, Chris Wright talking to the Dark Clouds yesterday mentioned, as as was mentioned earlier in this podcast, that there's going to be a second signing. Yeah, announced uh, in two weeks' time. Um, also the same uh, nationality as uh, France, so... Not 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 the no, country France. That's, that's yeah. France bang France. up. Bang up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Cameroonian, uh, just doing some searching um, on Wikipedia for Cameroonian national team. Uh, fullback Collins Fay played in the same game that uh, Ian Fuller was at. There's Algeria. Twenty um, five year old fullback plays for Standard Liège in Belgium, and Amos was in Belgium scouting. So that's what I'm I'm thinking will be the signing. We do need. Young depth in the defense. So how, think, how do you spell his name again? C O L L I N S. Wrong. <laughs> I know that's how he spells it. He spells it wrong. Uh, what's his last name again? Uh, Faye, F A I. I think okay. I think I'm saying that right. So he's the he's, or, a, he's we, the Irish Scottish uh, Soccer Federation, basically. That F-A-I. would be awesome. Okay, so <laughs> we're gonna sign the entire Irish Soccer Federation here. You heard it on this podcast first. Check back in two weeks to see if we were correct. Just depends on which one they sign. Right. I would actually be happy with Sammy and Jock. I really liked him. I think he had MLS potential as a goalkeeper, uh, but I'll let it go. Uh, moving along to some other pieces of information. The MLS schedule is out, including Minnesota United's. I thought it was very interesting that we're playing, what, five games in July, something like that? Yeah. Ginormous quantity uh, loaded in there. But the, I think our other big month is May. So it's not like... The the summer isn't completely packed with home games like it was last year with like nothing in the in the fall. I think every month in the fall has two home games this year. Yeah, it, it's a nice balance this time. Yeah, won't be sweating my ass off in the sun too many times this July. No, no, and we we are the the funeral game for the Columbus Crew, which we'll get to in a second as well. Talking a little mm-hmm. bit more about that funeral, but uh, we close out our season at Maffrey Stadium in Columbus. Any other notes from the supporter summit that you would like to repeat? Um, let's see. Um, Chris Wright mentioned, I think roughly five signings is what he's expecting. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, some progress on the stadium. Um, there was a mention that the team is going to basically shun doing a deal with um, Miller Coors or AB InBev and instead um, do what they can to actually have as much craft beer as possible in the stadium. He also Bandering makes shills. No, that makes me so happy. I know, <laughs> I know. Great, that's, that's really good. <laughs> you want it with so many new independent breweries. That makes perfect sense. You want to hear something even more awesome? What? He also made some snide remarks about the U of M and tailgating. Okay. Which he uh, expects to uh, uh, make an appearance somehow, I, I, some way, at Allianz. I feel like I've mentioned this several months ago, but I'll say it again. Every time I have heard Chris Wright talk about his vision for this team, its roster, and the new stadium, I have left feeling really enthusiastic. I think he really knows what he's doing. Um, I think if he gets his way, it, it's gonna we're going to have an incredible experience both with the on-the-pitch product and the in-stadium thing. The one thing that I remember from the very first time I've heard him speak, and it, and it's come up again a couple of times, is that he mentioned how the the experience at a stadium is influenced by a lot of different things, a lot of small things. For example, when a, for example, when when a, 
when a family from a particular ethnic group, such as an Indian ethnic group, shows up, they're looking for a particular kind of food that makes them feel comfortable. Maybe not actively looking. When I go to TCF Bank Stadium, I'm not like, give me that fucking butter chicken, motherfuckers. Like, although that would be great. <laughs> that would although, be yeah, awesome. Although, butter chicken at... Aliens, I'd be, I'd be fine oh, with See, but, man, but that's the great. thing, right? Like, that's exactly the thing. I would be, like, it, it wouldn't be something that I'm like, oh, cheese curds, oh, damn it. It's it's not like that. It's more like, oh, cheese curds again? Okay, whatever. But if there was a butter chicken wrap, holy crap, I'd be so excited. And I would go off and bring other Indian people to the stadium. And that that's the thing, like, having these ethnic food options, having just spicier food even, mm-hmm. so it's not all, all bar fare. It just bring it's more inclusive of other people and helping them feel like this stadium, this team is part of their life and their lifestyle. That's what I think uh, they did well at uh, at Nessie with all the different kinds of food trucks. There's they weren't the same every single game. There was some that kind of repeated, mm-hmm. but I, th- I think the last season there I had a sushi burrito, and there was the Euro truck that was usually there. Just kind of different stuff you wouldn't really usually get at a right. sporting event. And and Chris has just mentioned how trying to bring in different groups of people from the Twin Cities to the stadium involves these little decisions. So I I respect the hell out of the guy. Really excited for the new stadium through his vision. One quick note about that specifically. Um, that was one of the main questions that came up in the quick little bit of Q&A. Um, the team is really going to be focusing a lot more on outreach to... Um, different nationality communities within the Twin Cities. However that happens, we'll see. But it's it's good to know that that's already on the forefront of their minds. Vadim Demidov, cultural ambassador. Like. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Let's not have another white guy be an ambassador to other cultures. <laughs> that was, that was pure. I just needed one Demidov joke in here somewhere, guys. That, that's all. Anyway, let's now move on to a segment that we call the Major Listing Service, where we talk about MLS, the top soccer league in this country. But not for long, because the NASL is coming for you, NA- MLS. <laughs> we'll yeah, Watch we'll talk out. about that. Watch out. Out, guys. Talk or just laugh about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so MLS news. What happened this past week, uh, my some friends? Players moved around. Uh, Perry Kitchen has come back from uh, Randers in Denmark to play for the Wasn't Galaxy. He, he was at Hearts? At, yeah, he was at Hearts. He transferred to Randers after that. When? This past offseason. How? <laughs> so he transferred he, in he, the offseason. His then contract again. ran out at Heart. Heart of the Lothian. He went oh. to Randers FC in Denmark. They, they, they do call it Hearts, okay? I'm not lying. Uh, yeah, I, know, I know the team I, name is I, Heart of Midlothian. Keep up, guys. Come on. But, all right. So so he went to Denmark for a little while, found it to be an unhappy place. Yeah. Don't know what happened, but he's back with the Dallas. Not bad. Doesn't like Alaska mermaid sculptures. Dallas, um, he actually had to trade for his rights. Got his rights from D.C. Oh, great. But... So My favorite kind of MLS trade, one that doesn't involve players. <laughs> yeah. Trade so you can get a player. Yep. So Sidney so Smith kind of rebuilding the... The Dallas, you tell me interesting how he's doing that. I think Perry Kitchen is a very good pickup for them. Speaking of LA, LAFC have acquired the Failhaber from Sporting KC. 400000 is what it cost for Benny Failhaber. Benny, 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 it, Benny, Benny, Benny. It's 650000 is what it cost for Kevin Molino. <laughs> deep breath, Colin, deep breath. It, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's there's been this debate on Twitter. Um but Benny Philipper is what, 31? Molino is 26, 27? More I than think th- 27, because I think he's like 
a couple of days older than guys, me or something. Guys, if, if we go one one year wrong on this podcast, I don't think our listeners are going to stop <laughs> listening. So just just keep going. Roll with it. But Roll yeah, with it. Uh, he reunites with Bob Bradley, the, the last U.S. coach to give him a chance in the team. Um, <laughs> an actual chance in the team. So good for him. Good for LAFC. They're really putting together a team I'm actively jealous of, which... Kind of sucks, but Isn't that them. great that it's happening again after last year in Atlanta? Maybe oh, that's it's just wonderful. Just I'm hope. so happy. And now they're in our conference even. So great. Yay. Maybe, maybe, Na- maybe Nashville will just totally shit the bed. <laughs> God, I can only I hope. hope. So. <laughs> um, by the way, Kevin Molino is 27 as of today. Okay. So oh, uh, cool. move, moving along, the Usted, Dave Usted, the goalkeeper, has signed with DC United. After being ousted from Vancouver. Yeah, hey, oh. yay, have yes. we made that joke before? I feel like we made that joke uh, before. Maybe. We have made that joke before. Uh, and, uh, you know, you heard that Usted was out on this podcast first. Because Caleb, once while watching a highlight last year, was like, where's Dave Usted? And then we looked it up. I think that was actually Dave Bingham. Oh, was it? Um, who probably. also left his club. Yeah. So, oh. And who also recently the, the, signed. They're the resident. Daves I know. So that's why I go with that. <laughs> Call back to earlier this episode. What <laughs> uh, RSL have signed a Spanish guy named Juana. No, uh, Alfred Ortuno. Oh my God. <laughs> if so Juana excited, was back. Juana the barbarian. I can make this accent again if he comes back. I hope he does. Um, but RSL have instead signed this guy named Alfred Ortuno. Tuino, how do you pronounce the N with the squiggle? Nio. Nio. Artunio, who is a 26-year-old and, and quote-unquote, has already had a lengthy career in Spain's first and second divisions, most recently playing with Cadiz CF in La Liga 2, where he scored 17 goals and 40 appearances in the 2016-17 season. Thank you, RSL Front Office, for that press release text. He's played for eight different teams in Spain alone. Okay, so nine now. He's a journey Juana. No, I got that wasn't <laughs> no. that, that didn't work so well. But anyway, um, Generation Adidas has announced their class very quickly. Who are who are these people, and who are you most excited for? Um, let's see the forwards: Francis Aruane, Ewatimasi, Mason Joy, Gordon Wild. All of them are fine, I guess. Um, I'm I'm really hoping that Joao Matinho. No, it's not He's the job that was that you were. <laughs> Sorry. That would be so good, though. Oh, my God. Um, but in all seriousness, um, Joao Matinho, top drawer soccer's freshman of the year, center back, could slide in as a defensive midfielder in the future. That, freshman, that sounds so good right now. Yeah, um. and it's, it's highly possible that he falls to Maloon's spot, especially if... Um, Tom Hilliard, Arce, uh, senior from Stanford, gets picked earlier. That's who I was going to just mention, that he did be a solid pick for uh, the Loons. Uh, with us signing an attacker with, uh, I already forgot his name, France. Pangop. Pangop. Pa- just just Pangop. remember, Pangea was the continent that right. was when Earth was all one continent, and then Pangop is somehow related to that. So can I please just refer to him as France Fanon from here on out? Okay, you do you. Um, uh, but after signing Pangop, attacking whatever he is, um, let's more likely we will go for a young defender in the draft, and I hope we do because we okay. need young depth in that in those positions. No, no, we talked about this earlier. We don't need depth. We need starting players. Remember, 
<laughs> Am I the only one who listens to this podcast while we're recording it? <laughs> uh, we both. But but moving along, uh, speaking of Adidas, they have, by the way, announced this week that they finally have 3XL shirt sizes in their jerseys. Yay, everybody. Congratulations. And speaking of kits, the Columbus crew have released a all-black kit for their funeral season. I am not joking. And they also managed to put a patch on it that says charter member number one, you know, commemorating the fact that they're the oldest team in MLS, the very first one ever created. And you know the the they're just going to be more. And then next year they'll practically be an expansion side. Yeah, um, they, they respect their status as a charter member so much that that MLS wants them to apply for an expansion. And they're not the only ones who want to leave Columbus. So it looks like uh, Merriman and Kamara also want to get out of there before the. Why would they spend moves? a season probably filled with negativity with a shit ass owner who isn't going to do much for this team in except build for the future? Why why would they want to spend prime years of their life there instead of going off to say like teams like LA or Atlanta who are I don't know buying. but uh I mean Merriam's a winner so Manny look at that guy over there hello Here. Here. <laughs> let me let me honestly say this it costs about one million and a salary dump to get Darlington Nagby to Atlanta I'm pretty sure that the loons would actually have the allocation money to get a Justin Miram deal done yeah, let's see. Let's see, man. Let's Just throwing that out there. <laughs> I would actually be excited about that. But moving along to ex- speaking of expansion teams, uh, Atlanta have an expansion team in USL Atlanta United 2 who are going to be playing at a place called a Cool Ray Field, which is home of the International League Gwinnett Braves. It is, yes, a I, I baseball it, stadium. I thought it was Cool Runnings Field and I got really excited. And it's. No. Feel the rhythm. I just miss John Tandy. Just, just feel the rhythm, guys. But no, I, I, I'm, I will be honest. A lot of people saying another two team. I would prefer the two teams don't play in USL at all. But yeah. I, I think I've said this on the podcast before. I have come around to actually thinking the two status is actually better than pretending these teams are independent teams that can make their own decision. I prefer them to be explicitly reserve squads, which doesn't hide the fact that they are nothing but development. Uh, locations for players. Personally, I think the AAA baseball model works perfect for MLS, which is also why they're playing their games in a AAA baseball stadium. There you go. Yeah, no, please keep that AAA model out. But anyway, Kamar Lawrence has gone to Fenerbahce. Kyle Lahren, he seems to again be going to Besiktas. I you know what? You know, let's let's never speak of Kyle Lahren until it actually happens. Yeah, or exactly. again. Yeah, that true enough. Yeah. Uh, LAFC's Latif Blessing has committed to the United States diving team. He announced that he would uh, maybe, once he becomes a U.S. citizen, play for that's the U.S. A, that's a big get yeah. for the U.S. diving team. He yeah. is very good at diving on yeah, exactly. solid ground. Yep. Sammy Kadira might be coming to MLS or, you know, Juventus. It's um, a very I tough pick. choice. Yeah, exactly. Very, very, very tough choice there. With that, let's move on now to a segment we call The Pyramid Scheme, where we talk about the rest of your soccer that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, first of all, uh, a link that came out today on Soccer America with some statistics showing that soccer is catching up in terms of interest levels with the top three sports in this country. And one of the most interesting things that I saw on there was it's actually liberal women who are some of the biggest growth areas uh, for the sports interest in this country. So I I think that's very exciting um, when, when you look at these statistics. One thing that it, you do also notice is that the amount of growth in 
soccer's interest does not correspond to how much growth MLS has had, which is lower. So despite the fact that soccer is growing at a, at a quite, pretty fast pace in terms of interest, MLS has grown slower, which I think is a good barometer to evaluate how MLS's leadership is doing as well. Speaking of executives doing terrible, terrible things, um, the NASL is moving to the European calendar and waiting to start until August. <laughs> they're, I mean, this is so... They're deader than Columbus. Th- this is so so obviously a, a, a move to cover the fact that they weren't going to be in a position to play in the sp- this uh, spring season. So they're going to have to play just in the fall. So they're like... We're not just playing in the fall. We're actually going to go to the international calendar and like all this dumbass jargon that appeals only to pro level fanatics. The international calendar does not exist. There are plenty of leagues all over the world who play a calendar year season just like MLS. So don't 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 give me that bullshit NASL. And you know what, Eric Winalda, you too, because you've been talking about this bullshit. I don't want to go to any freaking Minnesota United games between... Like, if all the games were being played between November and March, I would go to dramatically fewer. I don't want to go to any Minnesota no. games in negative 20. I will, no. go, I will go to an MLS Cup begrudgingly because, <laughs> you know, that's that, that makes sense. But I, 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 I don't want to see a season being played in the Minnesota winner, okay? I, like, I just don't. I just pictured a, a solid MLS Cup game in Allianz just, like, really pissed off but also, like, we're doing good, goddammit. Yeah. And, and, and what's the <laughs> other solution? Cold. Take a three-month break in the winter? So, so that our schedule is even weirder compared to other countries. Whereas right now we're just playing the calendar. There's all these arguments about, oh, it puts us in a bad place for the World Cup, blah, blah, blah. It's bullshit, okay? It's bullshit. All of these issues you can get around with the calendar year. This is simply a way to activate the plural idiots who fetishize England. And that's it. All right? Here's another issue with all of this. Every single NASL contract is written towards the season ending in November, December. That means literally every single player is going to have to renegotiate their deal to add on an extra like six months to the end. And frankly, every single NASL player should be looking at this and saying, I don't know if you're going to exist in those five months. Right. Why would I bother signing a deal? They should all look towards USL as, a, oh, they, they have yeah. contracts that I didn't get behind. It's, I, th- this it's, is the break. It's stupid. It's very, very stupid to even consider a move there. And uh, it, it's yeah. dumb that NASL commissioner is an idiot. That's all I have to say about it. I, I'm done with NASL. This, was, for me, was the breaking point. Icon, this kind of grandstanding bullshit... Is, is it. I'm finished with that league. And I, I have been someone who supported them through some pretty controversial things. I actually believed in kind of their mission of independence and some of this other talk, big talk that they used to have. But they are now just a clown show of only four teams. So let's move on. You know, who else had a, had a, was a sick of NASL? In the 11. One of their... Moving to USL. One of their kind of... Model franchises. Model, yeah, model franchises in the NSL is moving to USL. The team hasn't officially announced it yet. They're expected to do this week. Um, maybe even by the time you're listening to this. But uh, Nippon over on Sock Tates uh, broke the news. And he broke the news and it was so big that his site crashed. Yeah. They, they, they will be playing in the NFL stadium there uh, for the Colts, the uh, Lucas, Lucas Oil yeah. Stadium. So we'll see how that influences their attendance and such this year. Memphis is joining USL in 2019. Atlanta United, I mentioned that before. 
And we've got Justin Davis, formerly of Minnesota United FC, signing with Nashville in USL. Now, let's take a quick break at this point. We shall return with the sewer, uh, our John into English soccer, and then everything else. Welcome back to Week All at Soccer. A lot of news with the soccer world today. A lot to talk about. And the first place that we got to stop off on our continuing journey on this, the USS Week All at Soccer, on its five-year mission to cover soccer around the galaxy. I Wait, we only have four more years? We- four more years. Four more years. Four more beers. Four more beers. <laughs> Our first stop is going to be a segment that we call The Sewer. In The Sewer segment, we talk about our Ninja Turtles, the NTs, the national teams. The U.S. men's national team has announced its roster for Camp Cupcake, the January camp. First inclusion, obviously, Christian Ramirez of Minnesota United. Long overdue call-up, finally happening. Very excited for the man. Other notable occurrences, other than the fact that Giassi Zardes inexplicably is back in camp. Cody Cropper is inexplicably in camp. Lonardello um, is inexplicably back in camp. I mean, he was all right last year. Um, uh, Ian Harks, that was kind of a surprise. Um, Zach Steffens, and he totally deserves it, should hopefully fight for a new number one spot. Bill Hamid seems to only be in for a couple of weeks, possibly gets... Sent back to his club in Denmark. Um, FC Dallas didn't release their players for this camp, which means that you don't have Jesse Gonzalez, you don't have Kellen Acosta. It's a weird move by FC Dallas to not <laughs> let them go in a time where you don't have any games going on. Um, any did you see FC on? Dallas? Did you see the fact that they have CONCACAF Champions League and... They were just abjectly oh, anyway. and a and train wreck last season. And it's not a national team coach who's going to be around for very long. That's so true. everything could change. So, I mean, I'm glad for Ramirez, but like, I don't blame guys like Acosta and Gonzalez not being there because, I mean, they're, they've already demonstrated their skill on the international stage. We'll see what the new coach thinks about them. One thing uh, notable here with the U.S. men's national team setup is the lack of a Jonathan Gonzalez being in this camp cupcake roster. And that is because he, uh, a Mexico-U.S. dual national who plays in Liga MX, had a breakout year last year. Everyone was very excited for him playing for the U.S. And in September, he'd actually, I don't think he made a statement at the time, but both people involved with the Mexican national team and his club team both came out and said Jonathan wants to play for the U.S., well, he's decided to play for Mexico. Um, and this comes about two weeks after he told Soccer by Ivis that he was upset that the, nobody in the U.S. team had talked to him about the November Portugal friendly. No one's slipping through the cracks. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Arena told just us that. one more punch to the gut from that. It's just players like Jonathan Gonzalez who are playing in a, a, a better lead than MLS. Lead on match is better. It's a better lead. And he's 18 years old. He's playing on a top team. He's playing significant minutes for them. He's started most of their games and played 90 minutes in most of those games that he started. How do you not ring him up before a big game and say, hey, you know, you're in the playoffs or lead a match. We're not going to call you up this time, but 
January, you ordered a tall up. How do you not? That's that's five minutes of your time. And a guy, a guy who's been in our setup since the U14s. Yeah, you do that for five minutes. You have the guy for over a decade. Yeah, in the team, and it's it's not investing in players at the right time, or investing in players too late, or not enough, or not long enough. And I mean, it's. Apparently, they did everything except talk to the player himself. They talked to Monterey. Monterey said, we'd prefer to have him because of the Liga MX playoffs coming up. They didn't tell that to Jonathan Gonzalez. This isn't slipping through the cracks. This is a guy walking out a door. A giant, giant door. This is not a crack. This is... Far, far worse. <laughs> I mean, this is... Uh, it, it just illustrates a clown shoes attitude that our Federation has had um, over over a long period of time. I think this fits in with all that guff that Bruce Arena was giving when he was still in charge uh, about how he could learn as much from Bill Belichick as uh, Pep Guardiola and how we don't need players playing a bra, blah, 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 blah. Bruce knows best. If Bruce hasn't called somebody... Uh, it, it, it's because, you know, he didn't need to be called. He's fine, whatever. I mean, this overconfidence, this kind of complacency is what got us into trouble and it continues to, to cause us problems. I just hope that there's some serious rethinking of this stuff with, with whoever this new president is going to be at the USSF. Which, speaking of which, very quickly, let's just mention the fact that Kyle Martino brought up in a questionnaire that was sent out by the USSF Athletes Council... Um, to all the candidates, all of them responded. And there was a question about uh, picking venues. And Kyle Martino decided to step in it by talking about how we should never have played a game against Costa Rica in New Jersey because apparently there's too many Costa Ricans there. And so we lost our home field advantage. I'm just going to go on a quick rant about this, guys, and then we'll move on. Go right for it. We said this at the time this game was played. This whole talk about Costa Rican fans outnumbering U.S. supporters is complete bullshit. People at the game say that there was a smaller number of Costa Ricans than Americans. They were just louder, okay? So blame the damn U.S. fans. And it's also easier to point to those stupid fucking fans being loud as as a reason that the U.S. lost rather than the fact that Bruce Arena was a shit coach and that our team was shit on the day and complacent and gave up a fucking win that they could have had by playing working hard. They didn't. Our fans didn't work hard. And so, you know, the Ticos had a great time. Their fans had a great time. And I can't begrudge them that. This country also has something called planes, trains, and automobiles. And I don't just mean the damn movie. I mean the great actual So modes, much junk candy in this episode. Mode, I, love it. I, I actually mean the modes of freaking transport. So you can play a fucking game in Boise if you want. But guess what? Those Mexican fans, those Ticos, those Indian fans will still jump into one of those planes, trains, and automobiles and end up in freaking Boise. Okay? So you can try to get away from this thing as much as you want. But it's not going to happen. It, you, you, what needs to happen is that the Federation needs to find a way to encourage these groups of people whether they're immigrants like me or first-generation or second-generation immigrant kids to support the U.S. first and foremost over the country of their parents or their old country. I am a U.S. fan today because I have friends who support the U.S. I am feeling good about supporting that team. It's exciting. It's fun. And I, I, I felt an affinity to this country, okay? So, so, so I was okay with that. But there are obviously some people who don't. 
it's this gospel in, in U.S. soccer supporter land that, oh, these Hispanic fans will always support their, like, country of their parents. No, I'm sorry. You, you don't need to take that for a given. There can be outreach. We need a USSF president who's willing to say that, not say things like, we need to play games in the middle of the country. So blah, 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 blah. Come on. Home field advantage is something that's important. I'll give you that. But we can't keep playing these games in, like, remote cities where we try to make immigrants feel unwelcome. Uh, because cause, cause that has a very complicated history in this country. And, and trying to institute that instead of trying to institute a longer-term outreach project would be a mistake. Um, I, I, I think Columbus has been a good home to U.S. soccer, not because it's far away from Mexican communities, but because the freaking fans in Columbus are really fucking loud. You get it? You establish that as the norm? The fact that U.S. fans are loud, that they are diverse? And guess what? You will start seeing home field advantage all over the country. And and we don't have to have this dumbass conversation about there were too many Costa Ricans in, in Harrison, New Jersey. You know what I'm saying? So, fuck Al Martino, man. Like, I I don't... I, I'm sure he'd make a fine USSF president, but I that... It, it bugged me when he said this and brought it back up. And someone else, actually, Richard Farley, brought up something important. What do Costa Ricans, um, either immigrants, recent immigrants, or first-generation Costa Rican kids, what do they think when Kyle Martino is talking about um, this, this brings up this issue again from the dead? Like, are, is that encouraging people to support the U.S. over other teams? I don't think so. So, so stop this dumbass shit. Let's make let's make it a long term outreach project. Let's give up this like gospel that oh we cannot reach these other fans. We can. We can make them U.S. fans. We can make them MLS fans. It's yes, possible. We can. Notch for USSF president. You heard it here first, folks. This rant has been paid for. Notch for tarnit for USSF president. Please God no. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. It's an unpaid position, man. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I've got enough unpaid positions right now. But uh, moving along, let's go now into a segment that we call The Pub, where we fly to England, go to a different pub every week to talk about the recent happenings in English soccer. Which pub are we going to this week, guys? Going to the Magic Cup. I rubbed the Magic Cup. A genie came outside and um, gave me three wishes. You'd had a genie? I'd had a rock. Uh, well, that's the traditional Magic Cup present yeah. is is you know like gold Christmas rocks. I I don't know what I'm. They, they, Charlie going, Brown. Get, get no. me into talking yeah. some games. Not in Forest, led by American hero. Nay, legend, Eric Lehigh. Uh, Lichage. <laughs> Eric no, Lichage. No, Barry Glendening is not Lichage. <laughs> <laughs> it is Lehigh. Uh, scores two goals, leading Nottingham Forest to a four-two win over uh, Arsenal. God. Down boy, down boy. You're not, you're not one of your dogs. Relax. Arsenal. Um, so putting out a weaker lineup, correct? D- yes. So they, um, I mean, is this that much of a surprise? Nottingham Forest is not a pushover team. I, I, yeah, they they are. They really are this year. Okay. Nottingham Forest, I think, went into this match on a seven game pointless streak or something very very close to that and yet the bench for arsenal i think the combined average age was maybe 16 
Well, they could have guys like well, Sanchez yeah, on there. Murasaka and, and Debushi on the field, and their average was still 16. No, I, I was talking about the bench. Was, like, oh, you the didn't bench. have Sanchez on the bench. You well, yeah, he's Ozil going to Manchester City. You didn't have Ozil on the bench. Don't bring that up right now. No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just it, don't, don't, read don't the stop room, me. Read the room. Don't stop me on this. <laughs> The only thing that Arsenal have right now are cup competitions because of how terrible they have been in the league. There is no chance of making the top four. I'm sorry. You have to field a full squad for the FA Cup regardless of... If, if you were playing Kidderminster Harriers, you should have played a full-strength team for that match, and they didn't. Okay. All right. Uh, I think I think this whole summary is summed up by Arsenal Fan TV, where a individual they interviewed said the best thing about today is the fact that I couldn't see any of it because I'm blind. And he it was beautiful, a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful moment. Uh, Eric Lehigh, because he scored two goals. Um, his wife bought him a dog, and he named that dog Gunner, oh, that... which is brilliant. I can't even be mad at that because that dog is fucking adorable. Liverpool beat Everton 2-1. Virgil van Dijk, new signing, scores the game winner on his debut. What Unfortunately, the bargain. What a bargain. Unfortunately, there were some less than wonderful um, pieces of news from this game. Yeah. Um, allegations of racial abuse by Roberto Firmino against Mason Holgate. Um, Mason Holgate uh, pushed Firmino into the first row of stands on the sideline. Firmino was not too happy about that and came up yelling at Holgate. Um, the ref is might. He was right in the middle of everything. Both teams are complying with the FA. And the ref's mic wasn't recorded, though. It so wasn't recorded? It was not. Okay. So we do uh, not we know. We don't know, know what happened. I feel weird giving my two cents as a Liverpool fan in this thing, but there were, I think, four or five players from both teams around and I know if if it was my teammates yelling racial things I would be just as pissed at him as Mason Holgate was so and I think it was Lalana and Matip not Matip some some other Liverpool fans and Everton Everton players were around the, the scrum and they didn't react didn't seem to react to Firmino I don't know you don't know don't what know happened anything. we don't we don't I, I have had occasions where I've heard someone say something really racist and I it just kind of freezes me I don't know what's happening and then yeah. something happens and I, it, my attention is taken away so but we, we can't we, predict what happened neither uh, player was interviewed after the game both coaches kind of just said the FA and will comply with the FA yeah that's all we're going to say about it so no one knows what happens except for presumably Firmino, Holgate, Bobby Madley, and maybe some of the players that were around. Chelsea had a nil-nil draw with Norwich that was said to be one of the worst games of the weekend. Um, but something that was much more interesting was the fact that Antonio Conte has found himself in a war of words with Jose Mourinho, with them trading insults such as, he's senile and de- has dementia, and then, at least I didn't fix a match when I was at Juventus. And, like, it's just peak uh, wrestling yeah, match WWE did those guys right. in a ring and a microphone and that's it and I'll watch that for 90 minutes I, instead of, of they, Chelsea they, versus Norwich they were talking about this on, on Football Weekly and I, I have to agree that it, this is indignified I don't really want to see these wars of words with managers you know we saw this between Jose and Arsene Wenger a couple of years ago with that whole specialist Vendor and failure and stuff 
Arsimander. Uh, right. I, and I, Jose and let's just face it, every single person ever. Yeah, we, we don't we don't need this kind of insults flying around where the attention is on these managers. It all becomes reality TV rather than it being about the competitive results. I think there's enough reality TV stuff with things like players pretending they're injured and all this other stuff or Balotelli's antics. We don't need managers who should be older, smarter, hurling abuse at each other. Counterpoint. Holy shit. That match fixing comment was amazing. Also, counterpoint. Just, oh, go ahead. just on its own, like that is one of the greatest slams I've ever heard. That was brilliant. Also, cannot wait for Man U versus Chelsea. Gonna circle that on my calendar and just hope they have a, a separate camera just focused on the technical box, technical area, yeah. the entire match. I want to know what happens. Coventry beating Stoke 2 1 was finally the final straw for Stoke's leadership, who have fired. Mark Hughes, after five years in charge of that team. Wolves tied nil-nil with Swansea, which is terrible for the Swans. Yeah, so Wolves are in the replay. Both teams ended up getting a red card in this game each. Wolves definitely had the better part of this game. So, almost lucky for Swans to get a nil-nil draw. A couple upsets. Newport County... Uh, beats championship side Leeds United and Notts County beat championship side Brentford. I'm really excited for Newport County because I actually went to watch them last fall um, in Wales and have a Newport County scarf as a result. And, right. and so so the fact that they're doing pretty well is, is pretty exciting for me. Let's now move into a segment that we call They Don't Call It Soccer in brackets. Some do, though, where we talk about the rest of the world we haven't talked about yet, and it's soccer. First up, our northern neighbors, Canada, who have fired their men's national team coach, Octavio Zambrano, then appointed their women's national team coach, John Herdman, as the men's national team coach, and then made the women's national team assistant coach, the women's national team head coach. Just throwing this out there. Um, the Canadian women's team has a World Cup that they will likely be in next year. The men's team has nothing going on until maybe late 2019 when Minnow World Cup qualifying starts. There's the Gold yeah. Cup. So they have nothing going on. So, so better better hope that Kenneth Heiner Muller, the new women's national team head coach, is 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 pretty good. What do you guys think about someone like Jill Ellis becoming the MNT coach here? I'm not a fan of her tactics anyway, so Okay. Uh, I I I wouldn't I I would support the concept. Jill Ellis, I don't think would be the right coach. Pia Sundhage, I think, would be okay. I think, a much better pick. I think that's a little harsh given the fact that Jill Ellis has brought the results in, you know. Um it's not uh, not World really. Cup. Okay. I mean it's not it's but, I mean it's it's been a dissent, I guess, but I think yeah. some of that has to be with how other countries have also invested in their women's soccer infrastructure. We just saw this week, actually, that the FA in England has decided to infuse, uh, what is it, $50 million, I think? Into- uh, pounds. Pounds. One of these things is like the other. One of these things is worth like 1.75 more. <laughs> they, they don't spend American money over there in England. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, so, so, so we, we are seeing infrastructure of women's soccer around the world being raised. And it's, it's we didn't mention this in the sewer, but it, it's crunch time now for the USSF and to see how they treat women's soccer going forward. It's just kind of been kind of this status quo of America rocks in women's soccer. So we, you know, we don't have to have a, 
uh, a stable D D one women's league that we invest time and money into and and federation attention. Um, but if if there isn't the new president doesn't pay close attention, invest more money into women's soccer in this country. We're going to see our one soaring star in the soccer world start to fade. I'll say this to that point, though. Um, I almost feel as though the moves that you need to make to support things at the grassroots, those are kind of starting to happen. Um, the rise of the Girls Development Academy, mm -hmm. it's, it's coming too late. But it's happening. I, I, I'm hesitant to say that the investment isn't there, but I do definitely see the same sort of pitfalls of what we saw with the men's team, where you know five, six years down the line, you see the results of chronic underinvestment. But we're still seeing folks in the women's soccer orbit feel that the Fed isn't doing enough. We talked about this last week with Hope Solo's candidacy. And I think while you're right, there are positive developments. I think are, we are being outpaced in that improvement. Yeah, I'm, I'm not disagreeing there. I'm just saying that much like the problems of kind of a lost generation of men's national teamers coming to roost in this World Cup qualifying cycle. The fear is that you're going to start seeing that with the women's team, mm. but you're also going to see the fruits of what's happening lower on. You're going to start seeing that, you know, seven, eight years down the line. Let's talk about, very quickly, Lucas Podolski, he formerly of Arsenal, opening a kebab shop in Cologne. A thousand, a thousand people showed up to this kebab shop, which I responded to this piece of news by saying, I wish there was a kebab shop here, you guys agreed with me, and then we mm. finally, through about five minutes of conversation, established that if there was a kebab shop, a pho shop, and then a um, taco, taco shop, or taco truck... Uh, if, if those were the three restaurants we all had available to us, we would live wonderful, very happy, content lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Serie A results. Benevento, they of losing all the time, have actually won a second game. This two, time against Sampdoria. Two in a row. 3-2 uh, against Sampdoria. Uh, Sampdoria had a man sent off in this game. Sure, it had no effect on the game at all. Benevento which probably just overpowered him. Two-game winning streak. I think they're going to take the league. I said so last week. Um, <laughs> this is going to happen. I, I sure hope so. Uh, I sure expect not. Aw. Roma lost 1-2 to two against Atalanta. Um, damn it, Atlanta United doing well in Serie A now. Right? God damn it. And then other news from Serie A. Napoli and Juve both won their games to keep pace. Uh, Napoli still on top of Serie A with 51 points. Juve right behind them with 50. La Liga continues to take a nice steaming dump on our preseason <laughs> and early season predictions. That is great. With, with uh, Celta Vigo tying Real Madrid 2-2 with an incredible goal. Beautiful chip over the Real Madrid goalkeeper by Daniel Vaz of Celta Vigo. Go watch it. I mean, it, it's, it's fantastic. The it's draw was beautiful. embarrassing, but this goal is even more embarrassing. It's a beautiful chip. Um... Further part, uh, Real Madrid, Gareth Bale's first game back, I believe, um, from a lengthy injury. Scored two in three minutes. So uh, he did pretty well, I guess. Uh, yeah. Taltavito did have a penalty saved, but later Matthew Gomez equalized to get them one point. So 
Real Madrid again dropping points this season. Not doing well in La Liga. Not so much. Diego Costa plays his first game since May. He comes back in a game for Atletico Madrid against Hatafe and scores a goal. Barcelona beat Levante oh, three. Wait, hold on. We had to go back. You need to talk more about this Diego Costa event because it was the most Diego Costa thing that I've ever seen. Diego Costa scored a goal. And then proceeded to both get injured and get a second yellow for celebration. So he got sent off as a substitute in his first game back. It's never changed Diego Costa. Unfiltered Diego Costa. Yeah. Right to our eyeballs. It's fantastic. Speaking of pure unfiltered habits, Barca beat Levante 3-0, but I think the bigger thing that Barca was able to achieve this week is that they have finally signed a certain Mr. Felipe Coutinho, 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 and other pronunciations that do exist. He has left for Barcelona from Liverpool for £142 million, proving to me that the transfer market has indeed gone insane if £75 million from Virgil van Dijk wasn't enough evidence of that. Yeah, uh, this has kind of been a long time coming. We knew this was going to happen. I'm glad it didn't happen in the summer. I don't fault Coutinho at all for wanting to go to his dream club. He was, I, I'm sure he was frustrated it didn't happen during the summer, but every time he was on the pitch for Liverpool, he played hard. Yeah. And that's all I can ask for a player who wants to leave. Um, and as he had a nice uh, message for Liverpool fans yesterday that I may or may not have teared up to. But anyway... <laughs> Um, 8 mil to 142 mil is a fantastic business for Liverpool. Now, and we've seen this before with Luis Suarez, you got to spend the money correctly. The mo- Luis Suarez money, we did not spend the money correctly. It was a Who did you sign show. as a result of that? Ricky uh, Lambert? Ricky Lambert, Mario Balotelli, uh, Lazar Mark- Markovic, who's still at the club somehow. Uh, Lalana, which was like the one good signing that offseason. Yeah. Um, but good, I guess. It's all about who we. Well, we do that money, and hopefully Jurgen Klopp... Ha- I'm sure they have a plan. They weren't like, oh, he won't go in January. They probably knew he was going in January. Hopefully they have steps they can go through and try to sign a player. Not to replace Latino, because they don't think they need to. Uh, players in other positions they can strengthen, like goalkeeper and defensive mid. The only surprise here was the fact that Coutinho is actually this time legitimately injured and so will not be playing yeah, for right. Barcelona right away. Uh, so he wasn't pretending <laughs> he's like, this time. Oh, he's injured again, so he did some move and then he moves Barcelona. Barcelona statement. Philip Coutinho out three weeks with injury. Ha! He yeah. wasn't faking it, you plastic fans, assholes. God damn it. At this point in the show, it's time to turn to the Reynolds wrap-up where Colin takes a soccer conspiracy theory you know you've been thinking about and makes sense of it for you. So... The one thing that we forgot to mention in all of the terrible Kyle Martino nonsense is the bombshell that he dropped that the reason that the game was held in Harrison was because Soccer United Marketing was involved in the venue selection. Something that U.S. Soccer, Kathy Carter, and SUM have all strenuously denied all the other people then coming in saying you don't need to have an official say in something to influence a decision. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. Precisely. So, why exactly would Soccer United Marketing even decide, hey, let's pick the venue that apparently has a bunch of Costa Ricans and a bunch of really, really shitty U.S. fans? I'm fairly certain that Soccer United Marketing knew how much that they would make off of that game, specifically because of the Costa Rican fans. More importantly, however, 
I'm fairly certain that those Costa Rican fans were also paying the U.S. fans to be even quieter than usual. Interesting. And that money then went straight back to Soccer United Marketing because, once again, they hold all the rights for U.S. soccer. The U.S. fans get paid. They have to pay that money back to Soccer United Marketing. I'm fairly certain that this is going to result in my Garber Bucks debit card being shredded next time that I go to the ATM. But I know, I know deep in my heart that Soccer United Marketing made money off of that game. Hmm. Like, like seriously, did you see how expensive the tickets were? They were one billion dollars. No, yeah, like actually, fairly close. Like no, bucks no. For a corner. Yeah, <laughs> Saki and I marketing making money regardless of what they do. Ah, wow, that's a beautiful conspiracy theory. Also, by the way, if you had told me that uh, the USSF, SUM, and Kathy Carter were ripping on a USSF presidential candidate, Kyle Martino would not have been my top choice last week. Uh, for who that would be. So, um, well done, Kyle. Uh, exceeding expectations. Well done. Enjoy that NBC Sports gig. Hey, I want to also just point out the fact that Juanan, who we were talking about earlier, he who played for Raya OKC uh, in in 2016, actually plays for Bengaluru FC in India at the moment in the Indian Super League. So, uh, and he's actually getting playing time. So, um, good for him, right? Yeah. No, yeah, just for him. He's still playing <laughs> soccer yeah. professionally. So, so he's played 18 games for them so far. So we'll, we'll see how his career continues in India. I hope I get to go to Bangalore someday and see this guy play because it would be freaking hilarious. I feel like in Bangalore, I might actually have a chance of like meeting the you guy. Sh- you should dress up with as, a bar- as one on the Barbarian to go see him. Yeah. Like, cosplay, no. the, cosplay the match. I might have to find some Bangalore fan on, uh, on Twitter and like convey all of this stuff to them. But uh, anyway, with that, it's time now to call a show to this... To, Call this show to an end. Can you please tell the good people where they can find you on Twitter? You can find me at the attachment. Unfortunately, I won't have any live tweeting scoops anymore. That was it. Sorry. You can find me at kolson716. I also write for 551. Special thanks to Tectonics for letting us use their song Lustless as our theme music. You can check them out on Facebook, Bandcamp, and Twitter. For all their shows and new music, new EP dropping this year, hopefully. You can find me at TWA United Fans. You can find this podcast on 55.1 and other fine podcast providers everywhere. Please tell your friends to listen into this show. It's always appreciated. With that, we will bid you goodbye. We shall return next week with another episode of We Call It Soccer. Oh.